Hello, and I hope you're enjoying your weekend so far. My name is Rachel Stonecipher, and I am your host here at Stone Butch Disco. If it's a place that you can be at, um, welcome to it. This episode is part two of my conversation with Jen Rowry, who is Cowboy Jen um, in most corners of the great wide internet, where she enjoys a not insignificant amount of fame on things like TikTok. Um, she's Cowboy Jippy on Instagram, but yeah, I'll, I'll tag or put all of her handles, is that the word for that, in the in the show notes. Um, I wanted to say that this conversation, this part of this conversation is where we <laughs> went off the rails a little bit. There's a bit of what I would like to call Easter egg content around Jen's Bigfoot sighting. Yes, you heard that correctly. She saw Bigfoot. She did. And so we go a little bit off the rails around, I think it's circa like minute 25, but we eventually find our way back to like gay stuff. Um, but you know, I feel like just seeing a Bigfoot is also constitutive of your experience. So I'm, I'm, you can tell I'm already on the defensive about leaving this in the edit, but, um, this, <laughs> I feel like we were, uh, much more grounded in current events in part one of our conversation. So if you actually want to hear us be more like reasonable people, that'd be the one, but this one is, is fun. It was particularly cathartic for me to complain because we ended up complaining about, um, those little booty shorts that you had to where if you were in Texas in the early 2000s playing volleyball, um, for instance, and Jen, <laughs> I'm super jealous because she and her rowdy band of fellow volleyball players bravely and boldly pushed back and ended up wearing, um, well, no, I'm not, I'm going to let her tell you the fun part about that story. Uh, yeah, so you can tell we bounce around a little bit, but I have to say betwixt and between the Bigfoot content, the booty short feeling circle, um, there are moments in this episode where re-listening, I teared up a little bit because we, we also talk about stuff that makes me feel so whole to even reflect on. So, um, I hope you stick around. I, I think, I think you will be entertained. I hope it's that. And I also hope it's, um, validating for anyone, um, anyone, anywhere going through any kind of journey toward self-love, whatever that looks like and feels like. Uh, let me say there are not enough complimentary words that I could offer in the direction of Jen Rowry th that would capture my gratitude for the sheer for the the sheer amount of service that Jen has done to help lesbians and anybody who is kind of searching for their foothold in the world um, to kind of find themselves and she does that in a million bajillion different ways and she's just like given so much of her time to us that I want to say that right off the bat, there is simply not enough praise that would cover it. So after you listen to this, I would highly recommend going and finding Jen. And if we all just can, she clearly feels fine if we all just continue to bother her with our personal problems. That seems a little heavy and maybe we shouldn't do that, but I know that she's really helped me um, and, and she's just a great person. So anyways, uh, without further ado, because this is so much ado, um, sit back, relax, as Brian on Sasquatch Odyssey says, I'm clearly excited. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. When I cut my hair short, I, at first I was like, okay, with people like calling me sport and buddy and pal and son and all that. And I started to correct them because I didn't like the way that felt. Because um, I thought, I just have short hair, you doofus. But looking back at the photo, I can see why I look like an eight year old boy. Because at eight years old, yeah. we're all kind of like gender neutral anyway. You know, a lot of us are. And I definitely was like, I could, I looked at that photo, I'm like, shit, I would think I was an eight year old boy. And I know me, like, I know I'm a girl. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it was, yeah. And I, I started to correct people. And my dad would always, you know, he would correct them unless we were at a place where it was an advantage. So like when we would go to farm, my dad was, um, we had horses, so we'd go get hay at a farm. And if they thought I was a boy, they would let me help. They let me climb up in the rafters and do whatever and do this and do that. And if they thought I was a girl, they were more likely to say, you know, why don't you go get us some water or something, you know, and I didn't want to do that. And my dad was like, he wanted me to help because he doesn't want to do all the work in my horses. So he would just let it go and he wouldn't correct them. He would just, when they would be like, oh, who's your son? And he's like, or how old you, you know, 10 or whatever. And just let it go because he knew that there was a better chance of me, of us not having to have the whole conversation of, 
oh well you know because she's a girl like she should go do something else and she should help and stuff like that's you want cool. me to run cool. to the hog pen to get to the hayloft not him so you cut out for a second there but i wanted to know what could you do an impression again of your dad's response to that situation <laughs> so he was he was like uh you know, uh, how old your oh, how old your son? Oh, he's ten. You know, and I want him <laughs> to run because we had we had to run through the hog pen to get to the hayloft with the hogs. So he knew I was he didn't want to do that. So if he let him know <laughs> I was a little boy, he'd be like, oh, he's yeah, he's all right, he's all right. Yeah, he was he wasn't going to correct him because it was to his advantage. Sure, the yeah. kid care. <laughs> I think so. that's. <laughs> that's kind of awesome for real. My dad was more protective of me in all situations, I think. So I kind of grew up with an element of, I want to, I, I don't know how to really put this into words, but it was like, dad, I want you to see the masculinity that you know is here. Cause he knew it was there, <laughs> he, yeah. he, you know, yeah. like buddy sport. I was the athletic, like, but, but different, I think butches there ever, every woman can be an athlete, but I also think butches are athletes in different ways. And our coaches know, like they, there's a way that, Absolutely. right. Yeah. Um, I was a volleyball player and I definitely had a unique experience. It's hard to put my finger on it, but I had a unique experience oh too. As, a, as a volleyball player. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Can we go into that? Because my sister knows that I hate volleyball <laughs> because of the weird trauma that I experienced. But first <laughs> off my volleyball coach, my basketball coach didn't play with this shit, but my volleyball coach told me to smile more. And as volleyball players, we had to wear those tight little ass things. We actually lobbied to get rid. So you're younger than me. So in the eighties, <laughs> the only choice was available with those tidy shorts you know like you're talking about where yes. they like cut your thighs off or <laughs> boy shorts and we told him we wanted boy shorts but we had to wear them backwards because there was no ass in them oh <laughs> there was room for the junk the, you know, so we wore them backwards so oh my god put our butt in like the pocket that they built and they worked great <laughs> <laughs> and that worked great yeah yes sir oh god it was terrible but he, he asked us which we wanted and we did not want it was like the, we were the first class to play volleyball okay seventh grade we were the first high school volleyball junior high high school volleyball team well thank god you fucking paved the way for the good shorts because yeah. yeah yeah those shorty shorts were we had a choice and we're like no we don't <sighs> No. also how on earth did those make you f- play better when you're when you're a girl child and you're so aware of what you look like anyway oh my yeah. god there's yeah. no worse they're, they're horrible there was no worse hell for a girl than to have to do that. Like, come on. Yeah, it was um, ridiculous. It's fucking yeah, up. we we um yeah, it was it, I didn't we 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 ended up with just I they have my volleyball pictures and I'm just in regular old shorts that we but we had to wear them backwards. Mm. Otherwise they didn't fit our butts. So but but I definitely had I remember well I had to spend the entire time in the locker room like not that I was that interested because I but I was like very aware that I was different. So I would do anything I could to like avoid eye contact just to not like nobody even like years later, I've talked to them and they're like, yeah, we knew, you know, we knew you were different. We knew you probably like girls, but you didn't, you weren't like, you didn't weird us out. You, you actually clearly weirded yourself out more than you weirded us out. Oh my God. That's me. I so, didn't look at anybody. <laughs> yeah. I'm just staring at the locker. Like, yeah. oh, maybe, oh, you're deodorant. It's like, <laughs> oh god you know like i so, but i remember what that locker looked like <laughs> yeah mine was yellow <laughs> <laughs> mine was blue yeah i just it was a it was a you know and i loved i mean i won i always won the spark plug award i was the op, like i was smiley and happy and always running around and getting everybody's cheered up and that was my personality but um he also when i would get hurt would expect me to when another girl would say fall down he would pull him when i fell down or hurt myself he put me back in with a nosebleed once because he's like, you got to go back different. in. I, know, and I was like, different. what? And yeah. He just like shoved the tampon on my nose and sent me out, you know, <laughs> because I don't know the, the why the treatment was a little different, but I mean, <laughs> so, you know, like I was on co-ed soccer teams and the, there were, there were multiple girls, but I was clearly the only like tomboy. I was different. Right. Yeah. And my, my coach knew that and would like, you know, in the, it's little tiny micro moments, but like would put me in with where his sexism was coming from would replace the most kind of aggressive boy players with me on the sidelines. And then the other girl would go in at the same time for somebody who was just like picking grass in the back. And it yeah. was like, it, that's just how it worked. And what the ir- irony now, or it's not irony, it's fitting, but my, my nickname was Stony 
and they would always be like, cause my last name is Stone Cipher. So uh, they would just the way that they kind of barked at me on yeah. the sideline was so different. Like they'd be like, Hey, Haley, maybe think about whatever. And then they'd be like, Stoney, move to the middle. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, definitely. Yeah. Totally different. Yep. Yep. I remember that. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, um, I loved sport. I mean, I love volleyball. I didn't really play any other. I played basketball till ninth grade and I just, I was okay at it, but it just wasn't my thing. And, um, but I really loved volleyball. I played it into intramural and Mm -hmm. I really liked the camaraderie of my teammates. And it was all about the, for me, it was kind of about bonding with the other girls and enjoying, like, I really enjoyed that part of it. I really did. Yeah. And you have to, I mean, volleyball is such a, I actually, have a hard time admitting to myself how much I liked it because I wouldn't play because of those damn shorts but yeah, um, yeah I don't blame you I quit you know ultimately but um the the way that you have to be a team it feels like such a woman sport to me and I know that's so the communication it's so important to communicate but, yeah it's so oh I lost you I lost Nobody you don't be a smart ass about it you know and it's like so but yeah. go back to it's so important to communicate and, re- and repeat what you said no oh, I said it, it's so important to communicate and he was always yelling like you know, so he chatters and we'd all be like jerks and be like <laughs> like that to him. And he's like, no, you know what I mean? You know, and it's like we were yeah. having that little like that moment we had control of the coach. <laughs> mm-hmm. But the communication, you have to be willing to talk to each other the whole game. You do. And you know? there is such a quick like, sorry, guys, I fucked up because when yeah. somebody drops, literally drops the ball, you're like, you're yeah, the- we, we actually filmed ourselves once. So we filmed that was back when like vhs players were like 400 you know huge big and we filmed ourselves so we could he wanted us to watch and so he sped it up and we looked like fleas out there but every time one of us would mess up everybody like we would walk in a quick circle you know walk it off really quick so you have this really quick circle and all the other people would like uh, they would either walk over and pat you on the back or you'd see all the gestures like you know like it's okay it's okay like but sped up thousand times it was hilarious to watch like spend it like three times because we just like whoop walk whoop whoop do these little circles because we're walking off that mistake but yeah. all, you can see all the girls making the same gesture like it's okay it's okay he's like calming like yeah. comforting yeah. gestures it's you know I one of the first things that I said that was like an angry feminist thing when I really started getting in touch with with the fact that I was writing feminist stuff, I guess, was I was like, you know, everybody keeps telling women to apologize less, but I fucking love that about women. So I think men should just apologize more. Why do we <laughs> yeah. always have to change? Why can't men be the ones who have to yeah, change? Yeah, I never, I don't mind, like, if I hurt somebody, I'm going to apologize. <laughs> like, yeah, if, okay. I, if I screw up for the entire team. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to apologize. I like, it's, I fucked up. And that feels better. It feels better for somebody to be like, yo, sorry. And it doesn't yeah. mean like, only somebody who's really invested in the patriarchy could look at a woman who's apologizing and be like, she's a lesser human being. Yeah. Right. Like, <laughs> women don't see apologies that way. We're like, here's oh, how other people feel. That's dumb. That's stupid. Uh, dumb. Do- <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, I was going to ask you, I, I have so many notes. I'm being a Virgo as one of, are you a Virgo? Gemini. and I, ah, okay. Which makes so. a lot of sense in many ways. <laughs> It actually does. It really does. Um, but I made a note because I wanted to ask you about the, you said it's it's not, while well, we were talking just about the depth of butch identity. And I wanted to ask you about the emotional aspects, about the fact that women were coming to you for a specific kind of support. And that's one of the first things that made me realize that I was different is that even my, I had this relationship with, um, we'll call her a, like a teacher. It was not a sexual relationship. It was not inappropriate, but it was very much a mutually, um, emotionally dependent, like almost a codependence <laughs> when I was, I was of majority age. And, um, she would come to me for forms of support for her ideas. And I would come to her for a very different form of support of my ideas. And it was the very first interaction where I thought I am different. I'm a different kind of woman. Yeah. I, I describe it as when I, I think a lot of butches, when I'm in a room full of like if I go to like a film festival or a conference or whatever, I see other women seeing me and waiting for me to make eye contact. And it's like, they're looking for the safe person in the room. Mm-hmm. So they're looking and they see me and especially other lesbians. But I think even straight and bi women, probably more so bi women, but some straight women, they, they see me and they make eye contact and they get that little like recognition that they see me so like they know the safe person they 100 percent think they know who the safe person not that butches can't be complete <laughs> Next, <laughs> but, yeah. like 
that's almost like they can, so they're looking for that safe person that they know has their back if something happens, mm-hmm. even in a completely benign, or that maybe just makes them feel more comfortable. I don't know what it is, but um, I think, what was the question? <laughs> well, no, I, well, I it, it was a question that became my own navel gazing, but it was basically what what are the emotional aspects of butchness that have kind of manifested in your experience? I think the safety um, and I don't know. And I see this with a lot of butches, not just me. If I sit down in a restaurant by myself, inevitably someone will say, do you mind if I sit with you? Really? And I never eat alone. It happens all the time. And then more often than not, they dump their entire whatever problem they're going through on me. And that might just be my personality, but I think it's also, maybe it's, I don't know what it is, but I don't mind that. And, and I, I trust, uh-huh. you know, I'm going to honor them with the trust of that. But emotionally, I do think, and I hear this a lot, like, you know, especially on Tumblr, they love to say things like, you know, butches make the world go round and butches make the world safer. And, but, you know, and Chivalry. I wish we were that good of a monolith. Like, I wish that all butches were like, yes, we yeah. will scoop in and save you. But the the fact is, we're not all like that. But I think a majority of, of butches, like when a, when a butch smiles at you and it's sincere, it's a game changer for a lot of people. It's a game changer because um, here's this person that they recognize as someone they think is going to be stoic or going to be in some that I know plenty of stoic, witches. and I actually wrote about one in the story recently, but they're uh, usually like real sensitive though, in my experience, very much like, <laughs> but then they smile they like, you know, yeah. they mean it. So right. when you right. get smiled at by a butch, especially when that's more stoic, but even someone like me who smiles a lot, it's like, you know, they mean it. Yeah. And yeah. I, again, I wish that was a hundred percent true all the time, but it just feels like, but, um, that's so interesting. I, I mean, be, I still stress out for young butches, especially. Yeah. I see these young butches struggling with, um, the same questions I struggled with. Should I have been a boy? Um, am I supposed to be this way? Mm-hmm. Why am I different? Um, you Something's know, wrong if with I me. just grow my hair out, nobody will know it, <laughs> you know, all these, and yeah. I don't want them to think that they have to go through. Like, let's not reinvent the lesbian wheel. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. Come to an older bush. who can tell you you're You're going through. Here's my story. And here's what worked for me. And here's what eventually I figured out. You don't have to eventually figure it out. You can figure it out right now. If you just (laughs) pay attention to what I'm telling you. Right. And if what I'm saying doesn't resonate with you, then then that's yeah. good to know too. Like, yes, but we, then, then I will help you find someone that will yes. resonate or I can give you some ideas on where to find someone that maybe is more similar to your experience. Completely. I just, I, I feel like that is such an undervalued thing that lesbians can do because we have been through so much shit. I mean, good God, yeah. landing on the word is so hard. And then <laughs> yeah. like, you know, owning it and whatever you got to do, including, you know, developing it in, in the, toward down the path of butch or down the path of femme or like yeah um that's that's so hard and it's just I don't think our perspective of like having made it through that gender stuff is just out there I feel like it's a lot of the assumption is like um if you're having these feelings you have a problem yeah you gotta fix it and it's like no you can you can be you can be okay I promise yeah Um, yeah Yeah, it's probably less of a problem and it's less of a internal problem and more of an external problem you know you just yeah. figure out all the stuff that's external and decide what's and you know sometimes and i i tell people that young women who are like or young anybody who's like i don't know where i land meet more people like yes you know go meet people that are a little older than you and and talk to them and find out their experiences and see who you relate to like you know and if something's not if something about me is not relating to you you may not I'm not going to tell you you're not a butch because I don't know you. I've never met you. I can't right. see you. But if I'm, if something I'm saying is just, and you want, if you find yourself wanting to tweak what I say to fit your experience and it's just not working and you're getting mad at me because I'm saying you're not butch because I'm saying I'm like this. That's not what I'm saying. This is just what right, I'm saying right. I am. Yeah. And you need to take that. And if it fits or something's, you know, if, if something fits with you, you need to figure out why it does. Mm-hmm. And, and it could be, 
that you're a butch or it could be just something I've said, you know, you've felt a similar story, but you don't feel like that's the word for you. And that's totally cool. Like, and it's good to know. And the sooner you, you can draw those lines in your own life or like connect the dots, the better off you are. So it's like, yeah, we need to see a myriad of people that are like us and not like us yeah. to figure out what we're like. Right. And, and totally, I had already, you know, I had a, I had a school count, high school, uh, a counselor at camp and clearly a butch lesbian. And, and, then I didn't know that, but I know I related to her and yeah. um, really, you know, really looked up to her and really watched what she did. And then that translated to when I was in college, I had an RA um, and her girlfriend and they were always like, you know, whenever you're ready to talk, I'm like, not me, don't want to talk. <laughs> I don't want to talk, not at you. But, you know, I watched them and I did learn that eventually that, that, you know, I knew when they helped me to kind of know, I just wasn't ready to like be out about it, but they right. helped me just by being them. They didn't like, here's how it is to be a lesbian and here's what butches do. And yeah. They just like live their life. And when I had a question, they answered it honestly, or when they, you know, but they life in front of me. And that's truly mentorship is when you just live your life and kind of show people that's this What's is possible. what my life is. And then if you resonate, resonate with that, there's something there. Absolutely. And yeah, to me, the situation is like, it's human diversity is like infinite in my brain. There are 7 billion bazillion, like actually as many, right. as many people as there are and will be, there are that many ways to live your life. Right. So whatever you think you're searching for, there is a person out there who you can have things in common with. You just got to find yeah. them. Like that yeah. diversity is out there. Yeah. Um, so, so seek, seek and you shall find. Yeah. Um, and actually I was going to ask you, you, you said that your partner girlfriend at the time you were realizing that you were butch identified as a femme already yeah that was yeah. my experience as well it helped me to have that relationality to see where I fit in I guess so I'm yeah, wondering she was how many... we were 21 20 I was 22 and she was 21 okay yeah yeah and she had uh she was pretty firmly femme like used it regularly you know mm -hmm. look at the photos um yeah, you know, she just had that nineteen late nineteen eighties femme thing going on, and nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so it's and then what's so funny helpful. is I pushed after I broke up with her. And this may be off topic a little bit, but I, after I broke up with her, I pushed the notion of butch femme away from me because I I was hearing all this crap. You know, you get the crunchy granola kind of like mm -hmm. all lesbians should be just like wearing cowgirl shorts and sandals, and we should all be like eating granola and be mm -hmm. vegan and. And we're all the same. And there were women like that. And most of my friends were not like that. They're just like, well, whatever. Yeah. But um, I was kind of hearing a lot of this, like, so I kind of pushed it away and it cost me, it cost me 17 years of my life where yeah. I wasn't passionate about the woman I was with. I ended up meeting um, a woman online or yeah, I guess I met on planet out. <laughs> That's a whole mess. You know, you had to like take your photograph and then run down to Kmart, get it developed and then put it on a CD and bring it back and put it in the computer in the floppy disk, like the yeah. literal floppy put in. Well, you yeah. earned it then. At least, you know, right. everybody there earned it. Everybody there did the work. To yeah, they, they want that photo up, you know, and it's, yeah. if it's terrible, then you have to start all over again. So you better make it good. Oh like there was this thing as selfie. So you're like, take my picture. And that's, you know, it's terrible, but we met and she was nice. And I was, I had been single for, I don't know, six months. And I was pretty young. I was, we broke up after seven years. So I was like late twenties, early late twenties. Is that right? holy crap, is that right? Yeah. Probably 30, probably early 30s. And I met her and she was nice and we got along in like that first month. And then for some reason I decided, and she was butch, like, like butch. <laughs> like, and I thought, oh yes, I can relate more to someone who's butch. Right. So I should be yeah. with them and we're going to form a partnership where we're like us against the world. And it was the dumbest thing both of us ever did. And like well, 17 years later, we're like, what are we doing? Like, we're miserable. There's no passion. There hasn't been passion in years. We raised all the kids and then we're starting to hate each other, like really hate each other. So, so we decided so to break up. The situation is before we get too far down the line, yeah. um, you you were in a an, essentially a butch for butch relationship, but yeah. you weren't butch for butch butches. Does that right? And I, and I have friends that like it's that's I have a lot of friends that aren't like go go like sometimes I wonder sure. if that would have been easier. But um, yeah, it just wasn't for me. And I was like, I I yeah. we, neither one of us we were both miserable for years, and we were just like doing it because I owned the house. She she like felt stable. We were good to each other. Like we had a lot of memories, fine, you know, then you, you look back, you've been another 10 years, you realize you have all these memories. We have the, we're right in the middle of raising children. We had five, 
and we had foster we were foster parents for 12 years we have dogs and cat like we have this whole house the house is yeah. mine because i bought it with my ex before i even met her but you know we had this whole world entwined and finally we're just like what are we doing so when my youngest son graduated college high school we decided to break off took a few months did it slowly decided to stay married till this one the 17 year old was 18 but after we broke up she went and met a family immediately actually we were still like in the same bedroom and she was showing me this picture. She's like, I think I really want to date. I was like, yeah, that, she looks really pretty. So she, we had this really friendship, yeah. really. Do your life. Even though yeah. we also had a lot of resentment, like we had had enough of each other up to here. <laughs> well, that'll happen. <laughs> and we were, so she, and I thought really, is it, am I, are we not compatible because of personalities? Mm. Yes. To some extent that was it, but also I had zero passion for her. Like I could see that she was attractive, wasn't doing it for me, nothing. I was definitely not doing it for her. And she tried everything under the sun. Like, I just don't want to, because I made sex. This might be more than you need to know. Sorry. No, no, go for it. There's no TMI here. <laughs> yeah. She's like, I think I'm asexual, or I think I'm dealing with anxiety, or I think I'm dealing with childhood trauma. And finally she's just like, I don't find you sex- sexy at all. I never have. And it was, why didn't you just say that? And she's like, well, why didn't you just say that? And I'm like, I don't. So then we broke up. She went and met this woman. They were together for a year. And I, my God, I've never seen her so freaking happy in my life. Like she was just over the moon. They were so much in love. And then she died of a heart attack. She had a heart, a massive coronary at 50. Wait, your ex-wife? Yeah. Yeah. My ex did. So a year after we broke up, she had a massive heart attack, unfortunately. So she got a year, but you know, I don't, I'm not, I don't feel that bad year of complete happiness. Like I have, she was over the moon happy and she got that and she ended on she died knowing she was passionately loved wow like, that is kind of beautiful in a yeah you can't way. ask for more than that right yeah yeah and um yeah and then i was like i'm never dating a butch again like clearly it wasn't for me i'm not gonna put myself through that anymore dating a feminine woman or someone that's more feminine than me which is most women or you're dating an actual someone that's femme yeah is not being predatory it's not being a dude it's not doing all these things that i don't want to be it's just being me attracted to what i'm sexually yeah. attracted to and it's sexuality for a reason it's sexuality for a reason and it's and the people who are attracted to you are with you because you're what they're attracted to and that's what yeah. so cardi my wife has been saying the same thing from the other perspective where she's like you know i can see so many like beautiful I'm women a hot flash. <laughs> <laughs> you're unbuttoning <laughs> um so yeah it's like I mean, there are images of beautiful women everywhere, like celebrities, and that's just what culture loves anyway. And Cardi is like, I, I can look at those people and I appreciate them so much, but she's like, I want their lipstick. Like, she's like, that's not what I want to like have sex yeah. with. Yeah, and <laughs> so my last true. girlfriend, who I'm, I just love her dearly. We're still good friends. Um, she is so wonderfully this weird, like she's a femme who wears, she doesn't use femme but that's okay. I don't need her to, like, yeah. I didn't need her to, she's feminine, but like in work boots and like, you know, a dirty hoodie and Wrangler pants that are covered in grease. Like she yeah. just is that it's way. Not, it's not just appearance. It's, it's not. not at all. It's the way she moves, the way yeah. she feels to me, you know, and she, she will wear makeup occasionally, but um, it certainly wasn't it's not necessary. A requirement. It's, it's not a requirement. Beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Beautiful. And just the way she moved, the way she felt her energy was just, I was just like, when we first met, I was, I knew I was a goner and I fought it for about a year. We were like, we're like just going to be friends. And then, uh, she came to visit and it was like, it was all over. Like I was gone. My heart was gone. Everything. I was just head over heels and she's a great person. So, you know, and we had to break up because circumstances weren't right, but um, she's amazing. And I realized that I had to let myself be attracted to what you know, the heart wants, wow. what the heart wants. And so does the body. <laughs> so, and I, I mean, it's real. And I think a lot of young butches question whether just this whole situation is real, especially butch femme yeah. butches, because people accuse, yeah. you know, they throw, they sling so much shit at butch femme yeah. as though it's not so incredibly unique and special. And so unlike, like, to me, it's the opposite of heterosexuality. I've said before, I think, yeah, I think butch lesbians are the exact opposite in their behavior and even the way they have sex, um, yeah. what they care about during sex, the exact opposite of males. It's about, it's about your woman coming. Like, that's how I feel. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I love, like, I had never, you know, I had never had, some, it was great. Like, we just really shared a yeah. lot of, 
and even just intimacy, not even sex, like yeah. the intimate moments where she puts her hand on the small of my back and like establishing that I'm hers, like in front of people or, you know, and it wasn't possessive at all. It was more like just that I felt safe and I felt loved and I felt wanted. And I can only get that from a woman of kind of her, her style. I can only get that. Yeah, I never it's, felt it's, that from my ex. So that's kind of, I knew I Rita could, like bust someone's, you know, snap their neck if she wanted to because she was like you know pretty bulky but like I also didn't really feel that I felt that from her like I didn't feel I don't know that kind of like I was seen and wanted like I do with like I did with her and I will never compromise that again in my whole life even if it means I never date again I will never compromise that again I just yeah I yeah I feel the exact same and that's what I was um what I think matters so much is that young butch is not knowing it is young butch is not knowing that um that is possible for them that there are people who really want them for them and not despite not despite their body but because of because of the exact way that they inhabit it and you know and femmes like like my wife she loves lipstick. She's got appreciation for it, but she doesn't fucking need it to be a femme. That's not what it's about. It's about yeah, this no, emotional relationality that is so deeply like whether or not it's socially created in some way because our whole lives are constructed, right? Yeah, or not. It it comes. Naturally gonna, yeah, there's certain things we're gonna be attracted just because we've always been exposed yes. to that being attracted. Yes, but it's it's also like you don't have to work to be loved by a femme who loves butches, and you, not at all. Femme doesn't have to work to be loved by a butch who loves femme. It's just it's it's it comes naturally enough that it's it should be I think just recognized as a possibility. I guess that's yeah. not it's yeah, not just like a fluke, you know. Not at all. So, So as I did admit in my little show opener, and that actually sounds pretty faux professional to say, um, we bounced around a little bit. So in this next part, we're talking about possible reactions to being misgendered, like in a public place. Immediately see the regret in their face. Like, don't, don't do that. Don't go to, it's not a big deal. Like, I don't need you to recognize me as a certain way. Sure. You're fine. make me who I am. That's fine. Like, you know, if someone is important to me, I'm going to have that conversation. Like, you know, but yeah, if I meet somebody in Walmart and they serve me, it's like, yeah, I'll still reach your cereal for you here. Like, you know, <laughs> I don't mind. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be a human. Yeah. I'll be a human of whatever. Yeah. Everybody. yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm going to have, I'm, I owe the people, uh, an episode and I don't want anybody this. I'm like obsessed. My wife knows I'm obsessed with getting these podcast episodes out on time so that people don't abandon us. Cause if we yeah. don't have them every week, I feel like they're going to be like, yeah. Um, you have two, right? I only listen. I only saw two. two. No, we have, yeah. we have three now. No, we have two. We have two. Okay. I listened to both of them. Okay. Yeah. Great. Um, so that actually, yeah, the next one is going to be this part two of the second episode. So that's why I'm confusing myself. Um, so I'm going to work on that. But before we go, first, I'd like to ask, this is not a serious, it is a serious question. You mentioned Bigfoot earlier. Do you believe in Bigfoot? hundred percent. Me too. All right. <gasps> okay. So I'm going to, okay. Jen I, just I saw it. one when I was 12. Holy. No joke. I a hundred percent have no, no doubts. Babe. Jen saw a Bigfoot. Jen saw a Bigfoot. We're really obsessed with Bigfoot. Yes. Really? I heard one scream once and I tell you what, I thought my butthole was going to come out my mouth. Like it was terrifying. I bet. My entire, okay, I just, okay, okay. Did it sound like the Ohio screams where it's like, like, like a this whale? Was a high pitched, even know how to pronounce it. was a high pitched scream. And then, so from this angle, we heard the high pitched scream and then it went, on this side like a a completely separate creature and we just went back in the house (laughs) in the house (laughs) and we're not coming out for a day at least we never saw saw heard anything again after that and that uh, there was another boy that i grew up with that saw one and that you don't even have to believe in it because you saw it so yeah yeah, people always send me bigfoot stuff (laughs) i so i i was looking around so jen is holding up various bigfoot like stickers and and um, I listen to a podcast called Bigfoot Collectors Club and it's like yeah. we all need the merch to identify each other because I totally believe I have one on my truck I don't have anything around to show you but I can Cardi at least <laughs> backed me up that we're obsessed so <laughs> can you describe the Bigfoot you saw because this is the fucking best day of my life so I do you want the whole story or just the real quick it, it was it was I kind of want know, the whole story okay but... so this is I'll do it fast so um, I just told this today to someone I work with she's like are you afraid to hike because I, I know that you believe in Bigfoot. I'm like, 
first of all, I don't hike. I'm not a hiking lesbian. <laughs> I know we <laughs> all a- think we are, but I'm not. I'm not that. But no, not really, because I wasn't. So anyway, I was riding my horse and my best friend was riding her horse. And I had this old style short quarter horse that would go through hell or high water for me. And we were going down to Smelly Mary. Don't ask. She lived in this uh, house down the road and she always smelled like pot and wood smoke. So we'd go down and visit her. And then behind her house, there was a trail that we could get to. So there was a wooded area that was about mm, 100 yards across, but it was deep. So you could see straight across into the cornfield but you couldn't see down in because it was so canopy deep, but it wasn't very wide. And there was a Creek down there and we would play big tree that hung out and us kids would sit on it all the time. Three or four of us could fit on this tree. And, and the, we measured it later. The branches were roughly seven feet from the ground. So okay. seven feet where, it, and this was the only tree that stuck out the tree lines like this, the tree sticking out. Okay. Mostly the branches. And we get, we're walking, walking. Okay. All of a sudden my horse has a hard freeze ears forward, won't move. And her horse, who was the most easygoing Palomino, relaxed, starts dancing around, like, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, moving around. And I was like, Do you smell that? And we smelled the worst. It smelled like 20 dead skunks. And we thought it was a dead skunk on the highway, which was about a mile away. But it smelled so bad, like my eyes were watering. And we kept uh-huh. kind of, mo- and I moved more, more, more for a little bit. And then this tree, wham 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 and the branches just hit the ground really hard right so we're like the hell that's a huge tree so we start like now now Bo is like okay i don't like this at all he's not going to go another step so we're sitting there and we're kind of deciding what to do and i hear my dad go hey you kids get back here right now he was i don't know a couple hundred yards our yard was behind us and he's like kids get back here get back here so we continue to stare and we're walking forward they're still walking forward and this tree branch just kind of slowly moving all of a sudden my dad who never he was kind of afraid of the horses. He runs up and he's standing and he's facing us. He grabs the horse's reins and he's looked us right in the eye. And he says, go back to the house. And w- right when he did, he turned and this thing steps out from behind the branches and goes at us and then steps back and just disappears. Let the record show that here Jen did kind of like a, an impression of this this creature, like jutting its, its head forward, kind of like a challenge. But she'll describe it more in a, in a minute. And if you are really not into this, um, and not into this on the level that we are, I appreciate your patience because it is a dream of mine to have a Bigfoot podcast. Um, and I promise you, your your regularly scheduled Stone Butch Disco experience is on its way back in a couple minutes. Uh, and if anything, I think you can see this as like an ethnography that you're doing just for a minute of two lesbians who are truly obsessed with theorizing about Bigfoot. What the hell? Later, we measured and it was about two feet taller than the lowest branch, which was at seven feet. So nine put feet. it between eight and nine feet tall. And it was massive head, huge shoulders, a little bit of like, like you could see skin. Like you, there's not as much hair here. And this is before I knew nothing about Bigfoot. Like I didn't know anything about it. Yeah. And for my fellow Bigfoot lesbians, and I know this is actually a trope um, for you, for the small community that I'm speaking to right now. She was talking about like how there was a little bit more skin visible on the chest. She was talking about the chest area. And there, um, and so it was, it was huge and its arms hung so low. It almost had a squat. Yeah. Its legs were taller than a bear's, but it still was kind of squat. Like legs were not quite so proportionate. To the no neck? neck. Not much, not of, much a neck. of a neck at all. Just a so, head. But it was a head. Exactly. also it's against a dark background too. So yeah. you can't really, but we could see that it was big and it was hairy and the smell was horrible. And so my dad, you know, still, he turned just in time to see it. He shoves her horse this way. He shoves my horse that way. We go tearing back. We get back to the house. He walks back. And the whole time he's walking, he's looking back, he's looking back, he's looking back. And he comes up and he goes, I want you to put the horses away and do not lock them in the barn. Let them have the freedom to, to get to, to move around if, you, if we okay. need to. We never said anything again. Didn't really talk about it. When dad was sick and he was in the hospital before he died, I said, dad, what did we see that day? And he goes, well, I'm not going to say it was Bigfoot. And I'm not going to tell you it wasn't Bigfoot. It was Bigfoot. It was yeah. Bigfoot. So do you think, you did your friend think? Oh, yeah, we, we didn't talk about it for years. Now we talk about it and we know what we saw. Like, yeah, it wasn't a bear. We, we were pretty, we used to camp all the time. We knew bears, and, you know, we didn't have a lot of bears in Iowa. Once yeah. in a while, you'd have a little brown bear or something, but not, I never saw one, but okay. I knew it wasn't a bear. And yeah. also yeah. like when you see a wild animal and you're afraid, like a cougar or something, like your whole body is like, you're scared. Uh-huh. This was more like the hair stood on the back of my neck, but I wasn't 
I wasn't that afraid. I wasn't fearful. You think because it was kind of humanoid? Yeah, like I wasn't fearful. I was just seeing something that wasn't supposed to be there weird, weirded out. Oh my God. Okay. So your experience, I've listened to hundreds of accounts, right? And you should totally call Sasquatch Odyssey. There's this dude, Brian. (laughs) There's this dude, Brian. He runs like the coolest. To me, it's almost like, it's like quasi-academic where he's really thoughtful about all this stuff and he brings people on. And sometimes he's like, you know, I might doubt some of these people's stories, but he brings on, I've listened to hundreds, right? Of stories, multiple podcasts and yours has, it hits everything that is like the modal, like, you know, there's modes of things that most people see and the smell is one the lack of a neck the long arms the little bit of of hair the manipulation of the tree the sound that you described those are all things that like if you're looking at the majority of people's accounts who like have things in common those are all in those accounts and and i've read i've read some things saying it's because it's a social like it's a social contagion almost like we're yeah we all heard these stories so we start to share the same but i had never at that age i had never seen it right yeah i knew kind of peripheral about it because there were sightings around our house so you'd once in a while hear it but i yeah and the other kid that saw one his story is really hair raising so and he came to my dad because he trusted my dad so um so do you feel like your dad definitely do you feel like your dad definitely definitely believed that they were real yeah he 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 just knew we saw something and he knew it was a bigfoot but he didn't know what that meant and you know i think there's a wild there's a wild man uh Thing on every continent like every every yeah. continent has a wild man in japan it's smaller you know in america we have a certain thing and you know all continents have a wild man it's so interesting and a lot of native my last girlfriend was native um just out of curiosity I looked up like her like she's like i don't know what that like no but i looked it up and they they there's actually a really good there's kind of a, some some books out there but like Bigfoot was kind of the thing they would tell their kids, like, don't go in the forest. And I talked to somebody and, you know, they would tell them when they were little, don't go in the forest. There's Sasquatch lives there. Just like we would tell our kids, the boogeyman's there. Don't go in there because it's dangerous, right? We don't want you to get lost in the woods. So they feed him a story, but he would say like, don't go in there. There's a monster. And there really is something in there, but they're not really thinking it's going to eat their children or anything. But Well, it works for all purposes, but yeah, I think, I mean, I totally believe given everything that I've heard and I mean, what I just heard from you is the same. Like they have, the accounts have so much in common. They really do. Um, The ones that sound legit at least. But it was, it was, it was, it was different. And from then, like, and then when people say they didn't believe in Bigfoot, I'm like, what? Like, is that a thing you don't believe? But you know, because you haven't seen it. So many people just think it's bullshit. Um, I mean, what, what do we, I, I don't know. Like, I can't explain why we never saw it again. I can't explain. Yeah. You know, some people say they move in and out of like the plane. Yes, you referenced again, that earlier. Do you think yeah. that's true? That they phase, they kind of phase in and out? Maybe. I mean, that's what a lot of, that's what a lot of indigenous people believe is it moves in. Like, that's why you don't see them all the time because they're moving in and out of like a non, so maybe our plane, but like one we can't see kind of, so they're yeah. moving in and out of that weird space, but. There's gotta be something. They, all these people who sound yeah. who are real for rational years, people can't be lying. Years. Yeah, you know, there's yeah. there's sightings back in the 17 and 1600s. Right, it's I think crazy. Lewis and Clark might have actually noted something too, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and Roosevelt had a weird encounter. There's like yeah. all these weird stories. Then Andrew Jackson, I think, had a weird yeah, encounter. yeah. So it's like stuff. Um, you know, why why can't we find large batches of these things living? <sighs> Maybe they do move. It. Maybe they're the one thing that we'll never we'll always know is there, but never explain. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, (laughs) It's so exciting, though. I'm kind of obsessed. Actually, I dated a girl one time who was like, I will not date you if you believe in Bigfoot. And I just at the time was like, huh, ha ha. But I was like, I totally believe. (laughs) What now? What now? I don't, I don't, I've never heard of that. (laughs) Meanwhile, actually, we used used to call the woods behind my parents' house Bigfoot Woods after that because there were so many sightings like around the area. It was Corbin near land. Well, I think Iowa, Ohio have been like pretty hot spots, like just yeah. like Washington state and Oregon. Um, yeah. yeah was, I don't know why. I mean, cornfields. Yeah. This behind my house is a cornfield um, in the wet summer and it's, you know, eight or 10 feet tall. If, if something were two feet in that cornfield in the midsummer's day sun, you would never see it until it's okay. out. Like it's that dense and the way they plant them, they're sideways. So you can't. Yeah, that makes sense. You'd have yeah. to, you can walk through it without being seen. Like, yeah, you know. yeah. You could be two feet in. And so, yeah, I could definitely creep myself. <laughs> During this, I just don't go too close to the cornfield, but 
Yeah, something yeah. can definitely be in there. So when you talk about cover, corn is, you know, for a good part of the summer is wonderful cover for anything. That's so true. So you said, and I, this is a podcast, so I wanted to describe it, but you said when this thing looked at you, it kind of like, like posted up, like moved its head forward. Yeah, like, it, yeah, like that. It was like challenge a, you? yeah, it was more, yeah, it was definitely like a challenge or like a, I would like it when it very much a challenge or like a, more like a, if I'm big and scary and you move and you, then you move away, we don't have to deal with this anymore. Uh-huh. Cause you said it stepped back while still looking yeah. at you basically yeah. up forward, head up forward, forward and then, and then just like, move back backwards. It, but it stayed, it didn't turn. It stayed looking at us as it stepped back. Yeah. And it may okay. have turned when it got into the shadows. Cause once it took a step, even a foot back, it's in the shadows and we can no longer see it. Whoa. Well, thank you for making this podcast also a Bigfoot podcast. That's my actual dream. And so <laughs> <Ocean> dream. <laughs> bonus content. <laughs> I have a big, and I paid $300 for it. And I used to use it to scare the crap out of the kids. And it was the best fun of my life. That's one brilliant. day they were watching. You ever seen, uh, if you ever get a chance to watch, it's like the worst movie ever made about Bigfoot, but so much fun. It's called the legend of Boggy Creek. Oh, fuck. Yeah. I lived in Texarkana. Yeah. That was a huge, okay, yeah, there's two of them. <laughs> and the second one, the good thing about it is the Jeep Wrangler is really cool because I'm a Jeep owner. But okay, I don't think I even knew about the, the second one. It's more of a horror movie, like more of a slash oh. em up, not so much a like weird musical score <laughs> thing. So, um, yeah, <clears throat> what was I? What was I going to say? We were talking know? about your costume. Was that inspiration? Oh yeah. So the kids are watching that and they're talking smack, right, about how brave they are. So I went and got that costume, and I went outside on our deck, and that there's a window that, oh, man, that looks mean. out on the deck from where they were at and i <laughs> i had cracked it so i just lifted it up and just like stuck a foot in and then like poked my head in and gee the three teenage boys that were talking the biggest smack almost broke their own necks trying to get away from me and they <laughs> screamed and my daughter kayla who she was just like hi mom like she was so calm she knew exactly what was on, but she never let them live that down I love that. I love, I love that you facilitated that for her. Yeah. That's amazing. You said, yeah. Oh, camping. They'd talk smack all the time after I'd tell my Bigfoot. They always want my Bigfoot stories and they go back to their tent. And there was this one kid that we had as a foster kid and he was just mean to everybody. So I waited, he was just kind of getting in his tent and I went up and I was like, and like did a big shadow. He come tearing out of that tent and he slept with us the rest of the night. <laughs> just when somebody needs a little humbling, that's, yeah. that's how you can he do that. You need to be brought down a couple of notches. <laughs> Um, yeah. so my well, last was question. great talking to you. And if you need anything else and you too, I mean, it was amazing. Actually, I, I was going to ask, do you want to talk about this or we can talk about it later, but how you got the name cowboy Jen, you said, yeah. okay. Like it, um, it's funny. Cause at festival this summer, I got a lot of like, why do you use cowboy? Why don't you use cowgirl? And I kind of got prodded a little bit on that. And I said, well, there's a story behind that. So my first girlfriend's name was Jen mm-hmm. and they couldn't call her like leather Jen or hippie Jen. Cause it just didn't fit. And she, I always wore, see that hot cowboy hat back there. Uh-huh that's the cowboy hat that's a real deal that's the cowboy yeah. that's the real deal so that's the one i always wore i still wear it but that's the one i always wore so all my friends and jen started to call me cowboy jen because the cowboy hat yeah that just stuck and i've had i've had my cowboy jen aol account since uh 99 1999 you're like og as the kids say <laughs> yeah and it just when i did my tumblr i'm like cowboy jen and then it just stuck and all my friends still call me cowboy jen i've worked with my i work for a lesbian-owned business Still call I like me, it. Don't call me Cowboy Jen. So and <laughs> I don't, I I don't find. Aunt. Sorry, I talked. Right. So I work with my ex, so they have to dif- still. They still have to dif- differentiate us between the two gens. Got you. So it's helpful. Still, it's it's yeah. it's for social organization <laughs> purposes. But also, um, I don't see anything particularly unlesbian about appropriating such words as cowboy. Like it's. I mean, it's cowboy is kind of. I mean, it was literally gender neutral in the yeah. day. There would have been women that didn't they wouldn't have used cowgirl yeah that's really true and that's true in a yeah. lot of areas that people don't really you know our language it's inherited yeah. whatever so uh, i think it's a nickname it's good. strictly just a nickname that's all yeah. it is and it just stuck we can just we can analyze that <laughs> like we feel like it but we certainly don't have to and the um the cowboy hat back there is black right it's yes. the one that i'm looking at so does that mean you're on the bad side of the western <laughs> <laughs> do you have a bolo tie yeah, that's like i think i think uh Clint Eastwood changed all that and the good guy could wear the bad. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Because yeah. white got gross. <laughs> I, I disrespected Clint Eastwood there with that comment. Um, yeah, that's, okay. that's okay. He he sometimes needs it. Yeah, he's got he's he's on the on he the moments where he's not, yeah. Heck of an actor back in the day. Now, but <laughs> right. I, I uh and I branded I have Tumblr, TikTok, 
Instagram. And are are you Cowboy Jen on all of them? Wait, no. I'm Cowboy Jippy on Twitter, on TikTok. I mean, on uh, Insta. Instagram, because someone took, and Jippy was my, my nickname from very young, from like three or four years old. It just sounds so Western. I love it. It's J-I-P-P-Y. Yeah. I, I came home and I said, I want to use Jippy. And my mom and dad like, what? And then I refused to answer to Jennifer for like three days at like three years old. And they're like, fine, Jippy, whatever. We don't care. And then I tried to <laughs> shake it. What? Like if it'll get you to come to dinner, you'll be Jippy. Like, yeah, yeah. It was it was the weirdest thing. And then um, they don't know where it came from, where I heard it. Nobody knows. And then when I was in high school, I went by Jen. And I have Jen on my letter jacket, but all my friends still call me Jippy, my best friend. And then I went to college. I'm like, okay, I'm going to go with Jenny. I'm going to go with Jenny. Like, that's what I'm going to go with. Because I was on my letter jacket, Jenny or Jen. And it was fine for about, about three months. And then my best friend from high school came and visited me. And then everybody from college is like, oh, Jippy. And then that stuck. And to this day. Yeah, you'll never you know, get. I'll never you, get it's yours. So. It's yours. But well, it's, not, nobody else I know is Jippy. What? So it's just you. It's special. Nobody else I know yeah, is Jippy. I, love, I mean, I don't mind. People call it to me and. And I think my kids used to call it to me to try to get a rising. I'm like, dude, I've been called that my entire life. I don't care. <laughs> You're not going to get me. Bring, bring it, bro. I think, let's see. I'm trying to think of t- Tumblr, TikTok, Instagram. I think it's like I have one more. Do you have Tumblr? a YouTube? I have a YouTube. Yes, thank you. Okay. But I don't okay. use, I should use it more often. And that's um, Cowboy Gen 1. Cowboy Gen 1 on YouTube. Cowboy, yeah, Cowboy Jippy on um, uh, Instagram. Instagram. Cowboy Gen on TikTok. And Cowboy Gen 68 on Tumblr. Tumblr, yes. I have not wandered onto Tumblr in a while and I'm it's because I'm terrified of it. No, it's so terrible. thank you for holding that down. <laughs> but I did uh, meet my I did meet my last girlfriend on there. And uh, I've met a lot of friends on there. In fact, yeah. my roommate that lives in the basement, I met on Tumblr. She's well, 25. Okay. There's the strong pros and strong cons. That's like a yeah, art. <laughs> you gotta really navigate it with kit glove. I think it actually when I when I have to donate like plasma when my dad was alive I donated plasma a lot but like when I do plasma if I need to get I'm like they're like oh my pulse is naturally super low like 38 that's just that's just normal oh they're so calm. And they're like we can't get a reading so I like open tumblr and then they're like there it is <laughs> <laughs> oh man that's that's a statement about yeah. modern life yeah. um yep. well it was so nice talking to you thank you yes, so much you have a good evening that's what you I want to say and I look forward to uh, talking to you soon. Yeah. yeah. Right. Let me know if you have any questions. Great talk to you. Will Thanks do. for doing Thanks. it. Of course. Bye-bye. Bye. That'll do it, folks. We'd love to see you at the stonebutchdisco.com website. We'd love to hear from you. Um, stonebutchdisco at gmail.com. And we are on Instagram at stonebutchdisco. Um, I have Jen's contact info and stuff. Well, her all her social media locations in the show notes. And um, actually... As of right now, if you are willing to send your Bigfoot sighting to the Gmail account, I would really appreciate that. Uh, back again like flu season. I broke records while loose leafing. I'm coming now, my roof leaving. Don't give a fuck, I don't care. Uh, did the shit for my lonesome. No wonder now I'm on one. No shortcuts on that long run. All I really want is my share. Uh, get him, I got him, I told him it's nothing. <laughs>